0: Welcome back to Worth More Than a Number, a weekly podcast where I share experiences and advice for people going through recovery, recovered, or just want some encouragement. Last episode, I had an amazing chat with my nutritionist, and today I'm going to continue that chat and finish it on this episode. So if you haven't checked out part one of the conversation, it'll be in the show notes below, so make sure you check that out. This week, however, we're going to be talking about what and why, and how, in the world, Kate decided to become a nutritionist. So let's welcome Kate.
1: Hello. Hi. Hi, Madison.
0: (laughs) Welcome back. Thanks for coming back to talk more about your story.
1: My Uh, pleasure.
0: This time, I wanted to talk to you about what, like, why, how, Like, what made you want to become a nutritionist for, like, a resource? You kind of touched on it a little bit in the last episode about how you wanted to be a resource, but what Mm -hmm. actually, like, made you go and do that?
1: That's a great question, and I had a um, a multitude of reasons for it. So one of them was that in my own journey in recovery, I was able to find, uh, granted, you have to remember this was the (laughs) eighties. Um, I was able to find a therapist who was two hours away from my home, but I was never able to find a dietitian. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I had to do a lot of this kind of education on my own. Yeah. And I also felt this, I, I always had this real, um, strong interest in science and incredible inspiration. Anytime I thought about the human body or took biology or biochem or physiology or anatomy. And I just, I loved the science of, you know, the human body and just the miracle that is our existence and everything that seems to work itself out and know what, just what to do and, you know, how to operate even under the worst conditions. Um, Our bodies are so resilient and just so full of wisdom. And I always felt just really in awe of that, especially after seeing what my body and my physiology were able to do through healing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I kind of, the other thing was that uh, my medical doctor, when I, Actually, I I left this out of the first interview, but when I first got sick, my pediatrician, my family doctor, did not have any clue of what was going on. It was right over his head, and he just told my parents it was probably a phase and that I would outgrow it. Yeah. And so he didn't pick up on it at all, and I, uh, I was interested in medical school. I was definitely interested in potentially being a doctor. But I didn't at the time, wasn't Mm -hmm. aware that there really was such thing as a doctor who specialized in eating disorders. And I felt like, you know, being a pediatrician in general, like there was, it wasn't entirely what I wanted to do because I wanted to have this specialty. Mm -hmm. I also felt like through the course of my own treatment, like the medical doctor kind of had the least um, kind of intimate involvement with the patient. And I knew that I wanted to be engaged in lasting relationships and have the type of involvement where I was kind of on the front lines with the patient versus being there kind of here and there and more on like one side of the picture right more in terms of the the physiology and the vitals and the blood work and that kind of thing and so I felt like there were limitations on the side of being a medical doctor in mm-hmm. terms of where they you know could go and how how, how how thorough they were in terms of their support of the patient and then there was also some limitations in terms of being the psychologist in that they didn't necessarily integrate a lot of the physiology and the biology which to me was so awe inspiring and so to me it felt like gosh you know nutrition lands right in the middle it it definitely covers the whole concept of relationship with self and body and food and the physiology and the psychology and the big picture and the small picture and it just felt like it was so Mm all-encompassing that it to me it felt like the perfect fit
0: Mm -hmm. yeah um so so you're you're a nutritionist and obviously that was a stupid statement but um I've always wondered this and I know a lot of people mess this, mix this up or don't really understand how one can be different from the other, but I thought, Mm -hmm. and you've told me before, but I thought you could answer it on my podcast as well. But, Mm -hmm. um, what is the difference between relapsing or just taking like, taking a step back or getting in a rut? Like, what is the difference between, like, because there were times, like, earlier this year that I thought I relapsed and you were like, no, you haven't relapsed. But what's the difference between that? Yes, yes.
1: You know, I think that it's very personal. I think most of the difference can be seen more internally than externally. Mm -hmm. But I definitely have worked with patients where um, I kind of leave it up to them to, try to tease it out if they even need to name it. I I often think in this whole process of recovery or even in diagnosing the eating disorder, we don't even really need to give it a name. It just is. (laughs) But I would say there's levels in terms of lapses and slips and relapses. And um, the whole process of recovery is a bumpy one. So there's going to be a lot of days where you feel like you're You know, knocking out all the challenges and rising to the occasion and doing, you know, one recovery step after the next. And then there's going to be other days where you feel like it's two steps forward and three steps back. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that's all par for the course, as long as in the big picture, there still tends to be some movement forward, even if the movement forward comes after falling on your face and learning something from it. Yeah. So I think when you're thinking more of a, a full-on relapse, it's more of kind of being in this mental state of either A not caring anymore, feeling apathetic and kind of complacent and just content with doing what Ed says and not challenging it for a for like a consistent period of time. You know, um or B, you know, essentially dropping your treatment, right? I mean, being so um, unmotivated and unwilling to do anything hard um, that you just don't prioritize your recovery and you stop showing up to treatment. And so those tend to be kind of the two cases that I think more define kind of a relapse. Mm -hmm. Um, But lapses and slips and slides and things like that are all part of the healing process, you know, they're all part of the journey forward. So, um, it's hard to define those, but I will say that they look different for everyone. And sometimes they feel, you know, like they last a little longer and other times they're just a little blip in the radar, Mm -hmm. but as long as there's still that willingness and that desire to take another step forward in recovery, to keep showing up for treatment and, you know, to not lose hope in recovery, then I still think you have to kind of see yourself as on the path to the right place.
0: Yeah, Um, And you can't, you can't beat yourself up because that doesn't help anything either. You have to take, start each new day with a fresh start. Like you have to just take Mm -hmm. each day. Like yesterday didn't happen basically.
1: Yeah. Or, or like it was an opportunity to learn something Yeah, and you're stronger for it.
0: Exactly. Um, So when you so we went over that, but also, what would you say like, I saw something, I watched the video yesterday, and I saw this guy saying what he the one thing he has learned, one of the things he has learned from his girlfriend having eating disorder is that you have to challenge it every day, because the minute you stop challenging it and it gets some power again mm-hmm. everything goes down the drain and would you agree yeah. with that like you always you have to challenge it every moment you get yeah
1: well so the way i like to i guess use an analogy around that is to describe the feeling uh, not like any of us have actually done this but yeah uh, what you could imagine the feeling would be if you're like pushing a huge boulder uphill um and i feel like you know Recovery is pushing the boulder uphill and relapsing is letting go and letting it roll back down the hill, right? It's much easier to just keep doing the ed stuff than to keep pushing for recovery. However, there are some times, some moments or even some days or even some weeks where you're standing on that hill and all you can possibly do is hold the boulder over your head and... It takes all of your power just to stay in place just to hold it there and not actually get any further up the hill right or, or mm-hmm. it's sort of similar to treading water it's like you're not making any movement but maybe just staying where you're at and kind of continuing to put mm-hmm. enough resistance against the disease that it's not bowling right over you is all you can expect sometimes and so as long as you don't Stand there indefinitely holding that boulder over your head because granted we know we all know our arms are gonna give out at some point and it's just gonna go downhill. Yeah. Um as long as yeah. you do at some point start getting momentum back up and keep moving forward, then it absolutely is par for the course to sometimes feel stuck there. Um, but again, yes, yeah. it's, it's still putting an effort. You're still putting effort out there to do something for recovery just by holding that boulder where it is it might just look like something smaller than what you did yesterday to actually make movement up the hill. Right.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I thought that was interesting. Cause I know you've always told me like, you have to basically be one step, a, you have to be a couple steps ahead of it at all times. So I always, when I saw that and heard, watched that yesterday, I was like, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Cause it is true. Like I personally, like yesterday I challenged myself and ate, like a person, a recovered mm-hmm. person on YouTube that I watch all day long awesome. and it was really mm-hmm. hard, but I did it and it actually expanded my palate Good. a little bit. And it realized that like, I just realized things that I didn't know. I knew mm-hmm. like, it was just yep. really, yep. I can take in more food than I thought I could. Yeah. And
1: it's so neat when you can find inspiration outside of yourself to come up with what that next big thing is going to be to get the momentum moving again.
0: Exactly. Exactly. No, I told, yeah, I, that was one of the hardest things I've done. Well, I mean, I'm saying that now, but it was hard, but I won't, I don't regret doing it. Like it definitely felt good. I mean, the greatest reward certainly comes from the hardest things we do. Yeah, Yeah, I know. Uh, I do have a, one more question for you. So I know you're a nutritionist, but you said you were also a mm-hmm. trainer. Like, so do you work with mostly people with eating disorders or do you work with kind of a mixture? Like do yeah. your eating disorder and also do your eating disorder like clients or do you ever have clients that you've worked in mm-hmm. with both? Like you can mm-hmm. train them and been like a nutritionist yes. to them. Yeah, that's a great
1: question. I... uh, I would say 95% of my work is with patients with all kinds of eating disorders. And so that covers the gamut from, you know, kind of, I guess the most common would be this blend of sort of uh, people who tend to restrict sometimes and binge other times. Um, That's probably the most common thing. And then I have some that are more traditional Mm -hmm. anorexia or traditional bulimia or compulsive overeater binge eater, a compulsive exerciser, um, you know, self-harm in other ways through, you know, laxatives mm-hmm. or cutting or um, excessive spending or drinking. I mean, I definitely see people who kind of cover the gamut. Um, so I would say, yes, the majority, the 95% of my patients fall somewhere in that mix of um, kind of disordered relationship with self or body or food. Or exercise um, mm-hmm. you know, or some kind of substance. <laughs> and then um, the other, you know, 5% or 5 to 8% uh, are all other different kinds of things. So I do um, work with people who have issues with heart disease or diabetes or, uh, you know, menopause, like women's issues, pre and post mm-hmm. pregnancy, um, uh, issues with hormones, issues with digestion, you know, anxiety, um, Mm -hmm. different things like that, any type of inflammatory issue. I really enjoy working with cases that are complex, that involve um, kind of a lot of medical uh, issues that are otherwise kind of hard to identify or diagnose. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just helping people kind of get to the bottom of some really complicated things. Um, And then as far as the personal training, I do that you know, both with patients who are in recovery and with people who are just coming simply for, you know, they're just starting to like learn to work out and they want to do it safely. Or some of my patients Mm -hmm. are elderly and they really want to be somewhere private and I have a private studio here. And so, you know, they don't want an audience. They want to be at a gym um, or they want to make sure, you know, that they're, they're, uh, having somebody, you know, watch their form and that kind of thing. And with my patients who are in recovery from eating disorders, it often comes in um, in terms of developing a moderate and normal relationship with exercise at the time when that's appropriate in their recovery journey. So uh, mm-hmm. it may be many months or even years after they've normalized their relationship with food that they're ready to bring exercise in or bring it back in if they were once compulsive. In each case, then, yeah. um, I'm there to kind of give them a guideline and help them have, you know, uh, some basic skills so that they um, can do the exercise in a safe way and not compulsively. Um, and and then a lot of people also work with me uh, in personal training because they they may struggle with fear of being judged or, you know, they just don't want to be seen in a gym, right? They want <laughs> to be supervised yeah. in a place that's private. And they also sometimes feel like it's a good transition if maybe they no longer need to work through the um, the food or emotional things quite so much. And so they come and do some training and catch up kind of in a light way yeah. around how they're feeling emotionally. Um, and if, let's say, they had a really crummy week and they have some things they need to talk about, then maybe instead of their training session, we just sit and talk the whole time. And, and you know, they have that flexibility almost to, um, you know, if they're having a pretty good week and they just want a quick check-in, then we can do a training session. Yeah. And if they're having a really hard week, um, then maybe we put the training aside that for that day and we just really, you know, kind of tease out some of the stuff that they're going through emotionally. So it's a great transitional tool and it's also a good tool for, Um, people who just, you know, want a trainer in um, a private space where they're feeling supervised and accountable for various reasons.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I like that. Uh, Well, thank you so much for being on not one, but two of my episodes. It's been an honor having you. I I like talking to you and I I've, I've wanted to have you on for a while, but I just didn't know what we would talk about. But then I thought about this and I was like, hey, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> we probably have lots more we could talk about. Oh, <laughs> definitely. We could probably talk for like maybe a long time. <laughs> but thank you for coming. I I enjoyed talking with you. I hope that you'll come back again sometime. We can have you again sometime.
1: I would be happy to. Thank you for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Yeah.
0: everyone I hope that you guys are enjoying the podcast just as much as I am Uh, I just want to take a minute to interrupt the episode I promise it'll be quick I just want to interrupt for a second and thank this episode's sponsor (laughs) oh my gosh guys wasn't that amazing to hear again I hope you guys enjoyed it. Kate's such an amazing person, and I'm so blessed to not only have her in my life, but also blessed to have her on this podcast twice. Before you go, again, please subscribe if you haven't already and leave me a review because, once again, like I always say, they're free and I love reading them. It's honestly one of my favorite parts, and they also help me to know what you like and what you don't like about my podcast. But I wanted... And you guys, I also wanted to tell you if you haven't checked out the first part of this episode of my conversation with Kate, check that out down below in the show notes. And I love you all so much and I thank you for your love and support and I'll talk to you guys very soon.